trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. All right, so my schedule's a little bit uh, sketchy this week. I know. At least I'm showing up, right? That's my defense. Most people checked out about uh, end of work Friday because the week before Christmas, they're not going to get anything done. But I'm, I'm filling in for a local host on the local station, but I did not want to miss my weekly confab with uh, Eric Peters from Eric Peters Autos. Eric, how are you today? Well, uh, I'm my deplorable self. Uh, your schedule may be sketchy, but I am sketchy. So how about that? You know, it's almost a badge of honor to be considered sketch <laughs> these days. Actually, before we jumped on the air, you and I were talking about, uh, you know, the, the reality is everything is costing more. Everything is, uh, it's 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 becoming harder to, to maintain the same quality of life as before. And you were talking about some tools you were considering acquiring. And, yep. and that turned the conversation to, you know, in a worst case scenario, if you had to, you could uh, you could basically hire out your skills and and still be able to you know generate a, a livelihood. Yeah, well, I'm a possessor of the secret knowledge in that I know how to work on cars that don't have computers. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and you know particularly I know the uh, the dark art of the carburetor. I know how to fiddle with those and take those apart and put them back together and tune them and so on. And I, I'm trying to rationalize the purchase of a lift for my garage so that I don't have to jack the thing up with a floor jack and then put jack stands underneath of it and then try to maneuver my 50-something-year-old self around underneath the car trying to get at things. I was thinking, you know, it would be really nice to be able to just see what I'm doing, get tools on parts, and get it done. And then I thought, well, you know, this actually could be a prudent purchase as well as an indulgent one in that if it ever became necessary – uh, to earn money another way, I I can wrench. And if I have the equipment to do it professionally and properly, that will help me do that. So it's making me feel better about potentially spending a not small amount of money on the car lift. Well, and I'm thinking it's a very practical approach as well as I look at what appears to be something the shape of CBDCs on the horizon, and yeah. it's definitely getting closer. Absolutely. It's a barterable skill. You know, this is just an example for me personally, but uh, you know, we all have barterable skills, or at least most of us do, something that you can do well or at least competently that maybe somebody else can't. And, uh, you know, you could offer to perform that service, do the job, whatever it might be, for somebody who needs that to, to get done. And in exchange, maybe they've got something that you need or something that you don't know how to do. Maybe you've got an electrician friend, like, for example. I mean, I know how to do basic wiring, but that's about it. So maybe I fix my electrician's truck, and then in return, uh, he helps me pick some complicated wiring, things like that. Nice. I'm just thinking about what marketable skills I have. And frankly, if it comes to telling people stories to either entertain or frighten them in a crisp, upbeat fashion, I'm your man. Hey, but you know, in all seriousness, uh, you are a master of language. Yeah, you know, you know how to put together a coherent sentence. And that's no small thing these days. And being able to teach kids basic English grammar, sentence construction, and so on is a valuable skill. So you could always farm yourself out as a homeschool English teacher, for example, or a history teacher. Thank you. I'm going to put this on my resume. See Eric Peters for details. <laughs> no, I, I mean, in all seriousness, wouldn't you as a parent 
uh, in a situation such as the one that we're talking about. Uh, you have a kid, and you want that kid to get a good education, and we're assuming homeschooled. And you have a friend or somebody that you know in your circle who's very competent in a given area, whatever it may be. Even if they don't necessarily have a degree in whatever that field is, you know they know what they're doing and that they can they can uh, provide that that knowledge to your kid. You'd probably say, you'd probably say yeah, that sounds like a good, good idea to me. I'm going to hire that guy uh, to, to teach my kid that skill. No, I, I really believe it's wise to be looking at, uh, you know, some alternative ways of doing things. And, and I, I don't want to sound apocalyptic when I say this. It's just a recognition. Things are changing. The potential for great change, I believe, is right around the corner, as in 2024. And I think it would just be prudent to have, have some way to, to make your way in the world without having to depend on permission from anyone in officialdom. Yep. And, you know, it really is a, a no-lose proposition. If you uh, acquire the skill or let's say that you acquire some equipment or tools, uh, those are things of value. And even if hopefully things don't go off the rails and we don't all go rushing off the cliff into some sort of a Mad Max apocalyptic-like scenario, you still got something of value, which you can keep and use. Or, you know, if you want to, you can sell or trade it to somebody else. So I don't see any downside to this sort of thing at all. Yeah, plus, if, if you look at some of the, the signs on the horizon, too, um, have you been following, you know, some of the developments in the Red Sea with, with all the... Uh, yeah, uh, yes, among other things. It is, it's quite, things are not going well, let's put it that way. I mean, I w- the thing that got my, more than the military buildup, which is itself a little bit ominous, yeah. was the, the recognition that some of the major shipping companies of the world are not sending their ships into the Red Sea because it's too dangerous. And so to yep. get their goods where they need to get them in Europe, they now have to send them around the, the Horn of Africa. And mm-hmm. it adds time and cost, which means things are going to be more scarce. Things are going to be more costly. I can't help but see there being some kind of, uh, you know, a ripple effect throughout the rest of the economy. Well, it's already happening. You may have had this experience. You go to the store, not only the supermarket, and not only is the selection scantier, but let's say you get uh, lettuce uh, or something else that's perishable. It's already on the verge of, of perishing. When you buy it, you get it home and you look at it the next day and it's already rotten and you throw it in the uh, throw it in the trash. This is something that has never happened before in my life experience. And so I looked into it a little bit. And apparently the problem is that the trucking companies are having a great deal of difficulty finding people who are willing to load trucks because you know they, people just collect a check from the government rather than work. So you know why work, especially doing hard manual labor? loading trucks. So these trucks will sit around waiting until they can find people to load up the stuff and get it on there and get it on the road. And of course, by the time that happens, the perishable product, produce and, and, and whatnot has already somewhat perished. And that's why the stuff you're getting at the store looks all wilty and on the verge of going bad. Boy, that's not very encouraging. Yep. Well, you know, it's good to be self-sufficient. It's good to be aware of what's going on. I think, uh, I hope you would agree you know, we see what's coming, and, and there it looks like there could be some pretty rocky road ahead of us. That doesn't mean, though, that all is lost and we should just, you know, be resigned to, you know, basically stumbling around in rags looking for something to eat. Right. You know, a sensible person, if you're on a, a ship, let's say, and you notice the ship is starting to tilt a certain way, and you, you see the water lapping up on the foxhole, uh, probably you're not going to sit there and, and uh, do nothing. You're going to try and figure out... What can you do to come out of this alive along with your family? And that's, I think, how we should be approaching the situation now. So something that's uh, maybe not in your direct neighborhood but but near you is uh, the removal of the uh, 
Union and Confederate Reconciliation Monument, I believe in Arlington. Um, I wanted to get your take on this, Eric. This this is just one of many monuments and statues being torn down, replaced, or erased. What do you think about uh, this current move, and what are your thoughts on, is it appropriate, inappropriate? Well, what it is is cultural uh, cultural replacement, and it's not going to end. Uh, eventually, we're going to get to the point where they're going to jackhammer George Washington off of Mount Rushmore, because after all, George Washington was a slave owner. Sure. This will not end until they destroy every last vestige of the culture and the people that gave rise to the United States of America. They did the same thing in, 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 uh, in Stalin's Russia, Lenin's Russia, actually. They did everything they could to destroy uh, tradition and memory of what Russia was like. Uh, before the communists took over. All of these authoritarian uh, collectivist communist type of systems do that. In China, you know, they they, uh, they, uh, they stigmatized old people and old ways and old thinking. And, of course, they used the young to do that. Uh, the Red Guards were composed chiefly of young people, and they were taught contempt for tradition, for the past, for the history of the Chinese people, and to all look forward to the great leap forward promised by Mao. And that's the kind of thing that we're in for here. Yeah, I'm going to have to pass on that one. Thanks, but but no thanks. But it sounds like there are folks who are determined to make sure that uh, that we all bend the knee. And and I have yeah, to. Yeah. Well, you know, it's time to. I I think it's time to stop being afraid of being accused of a, uh, being a racist because you uh, uh, want to have a statue of George Washington or even a reconciliation a reconciliation statue uh, up in a public place. All those people were imperfect, and so by the way was Martin Luther King. Yeah. Uh, are we going to uh, uh, throw him uh, into the ash, ash can of history because maybe he plagiarized a little bit on his Ph.D. thesis and maybe he was an adulterer and some various other things? You take people in their totality and what they do and in the time that they lived. And that's important to have context. What we're dealing with now is this just this, 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 this fervent, rabid uh, religious mania. It's very much of a piece with the corona stuff and the climate change stuff. These are fanatics and zealots who will not be appeased until they have destroyed absolutely everything in their path. Well, and it seems like, you know, the the fact that uh, they they keep attacking these uh, Confederate symbols, I feel like that's a, that's really to discourage anybody from remembering that there was a time where someone stood up and said enough to an out of control federal course. government. Of course, absolutely. You know, it's extremely important for them to frame what they call the Civil War, which it wasn't. Even even that is an it's just an objectively inaccurate term because whatever you may think about the Southern Confederacy, the Southern Confederacy was not attempting to take over the United States. They did not want to take over the North. What they wanted was to separate from the Union, very much as the American colonists sought to separate themselves from Union with Great Britain. That's a historical fact. Uh, And there's a disconnect there, because on the one hand, kids are taught to revere the Founding Fathers and how wonderful it was that Americans secured their independence from Great Britain. But when you apply that same principle to what the Southern Confederacy did, uh uh-oh, we got a problem, Houston, and we're not allowed to talk about that. Right, right. Well, I, I, I hope that the day is coming when we can safely, you know, study history once again and, and live unmolested. But right now, there is definitely a faction, and it's primarily on the left, that is determined to go out there and convert, by sword, so to speak, everybody to their particular brand of wokeness. So I think it's exclusively on the left, and that's, that's, it's necessary, I think, to come to grips with that. That's what these people want to do. They want to, as uh, uh, Barack Obama put it, fundamentally transform this country into something 
very different than what the historical American nation was. Uh, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's our duty to stand up to it and to say, no, we were not interested in that. And a really effective way to do that, by the way, uh, is to homeschool your kids. Get your kids out of a government school where they're being spoon-fed all this left, woke propaganda and give them a proper education, which begins by teaching them how to think. And if you teach them how to think, everything else follows from that. Yep. And learn the power of the word no. It's, yes. I know it's that word is anathema to anybody who's out there shrieking and woke and trying to get everybody to chant in unison with them. But uh, just because someone is, is saying, well, you agree with me, right? You don't want to be seen as a racist. Yeah. You can walk right past them with confidence knowing that pff, they're calling me names. Why does that yeah. even, you know, well, why should I pay attention to it? There, you know, it's this, this fatuity of the left, which talks all the time about diversity, when in fact what they demand is uniformity. Uh, you know, they're only happy with you when you surrender yourself to them completely uh, and do whatever they tell you, no matter how contradictory and no matter how much it changes from one moment to the next. You have to keep up with the narrative and, and pay obeisance to it. Enough of that. Uh, you know, there's no reason to feel bad about saying, no, I'm not going to do that. That rubs me the wrong way. I don't like that. That's not for me. Yep. It's just, it's finding the courage to, to say it the first time. That's the hard part, at least for, for most people. But once you've done it and you see, look, I survived. And even if somebody does call you names or, you know, casts aspersions at you, it, unless you believe in word magic, it's kind of like voodoo. It's really going to have no impact sure. on you. Sure. And particularly if, you know, you search your own heart, you know whether you're, what your own motives are. You know that you're not. Uh, you don't have any hatred for black people, for example. You're not looking to hurt anybody. You're not looking to oppress anybody. Therefore, you should feel completely clean about saying, you know, I think it's wrong for colleges to exclude people because they happen to be white or Asian. I think that's wrong. In fact, I think that's racist. And don't let yourself be beaten into a corner by somebody who says, well, it's racist for you to say that. So as, as we're looking forward to, you know, a, a new year, obviously there are a lot of danger signals, and I'm not just talking politically, but economically and, and uh, monetarily, we're looking at some really interesting possibilities. What's, uh, what's your sense for where a person's time and effort might be best spent to be able to not just survive, but thrive through the coming year? Well, just take whatever steps that you can realistically take within uh, the world that you inhabit to prepare yourself and your family for the worst case scenario. You know, that's not a foolish thing. That's not uh, that's not a crazy thing. I mean, just in terms of having the necessities that you might need, having a plan, talking to your wife, your kids. What would happen if today something happened and everybody's out somewhere else? Where are we going to meet? How are we going to get together? What are, What's the next step? What are we going to do? Um and, and think about cataloging your skills and thinking, well, how might you leverage those skills to do something different if everything were to change a few months from now? Things like that. Yep. It's going to be interesting. I'm popping popcorn. I don't want to sound like I'm being indifferent or flippant, but, um, you know, we've got a front row seat to some pretty, I think, historical or potentially historical events. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the footage of the volcano in Iceland lately, but wow. No, I haven't. What's going on with that? It's It's awake. She's a spewing yeah. that lava, and it's 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 very beautiful, and also uh, really kind of awe-inspiring to see you know that uh, that activity come to life. Well, you know, the thing that worries me the most is that it seems we have been kind of funneled down this chute for 2024, and now no matter what happens, something's going to happen. Um, if by some miracle 
uh, Trump, and I'm not boosting for Trump. I'm just saying if by some miracle he manages to get elected, you can imagine what the left will do then. Um, and you can imagine what the left is going to do if it secures its victory uh, for Joe Biden or whoever it is they put to replace him. Uh, either way, it's not going to be good. They'll be feeling their oats and be even more woke and radicalized than they are now. Or they'll be in the streets and there'll be chaos and mayhem. They practically promised to do it. So these things are, are essentially inevitabilities. And I think we should be aware of that and begin to plan accordingly. It's going to be interesting, too, to see how uh, the political class reacts, because some of their uh, narrative is not enough to, to keep people from seeing the truth. Uh, Biden, for instance, Hunter, as well as his dad, I think mm-hmm. are quite vulnerable. Uh, that could raise some interesting possibilities for uh, how and, and the way the Democrats are going to go about uh, putting up a, a new nominee. I can't see Joe Biden being the guy that they put up against Trump, if, if Trump is the nominee. I know. It, well, it's incredible that they haven't done something about that yet. You know, you remember, you and I can remember Ronald Reagan. And they said Ronald Reagan was too geriatric to be president when he was 69 years old. That's how old he was yeah. when he was inaugurated the first time. 69. And now we got a guy who's, who's uh, what, is he 81 or 82? Yeah. Well, that's just his body. Clearly his mind decline. is like 500 years old. Yeah. I mean, you know, clearly in decline. It's not like he's a you know a very perky eighty-one or eighty-two year old. The guy's clearly in cognitive and physical decline, and it's somehow okay. You know, in commercial aviation, I think the requirement is that a pilot cannot be a commercial pilot after the age of sixty. I think most airlines require them to retire, not because the guy's not able to fly today, but because at that age, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, and you don't want the guy to have a stroke or a senior moment uh, at thirty thousand feet, right? Well, I'm I'm hopeful that the coming year, among whatever changes it brings, will also bring more awareness on the part of uh, everybody who suffered under the COVID response, and and hopefully maybe even a little accountability for the people who pushed it on us. I hope so too, but more profoundly, I think, uh, and I'm hope I'm hoping um, that Americans turn inward again. And what I mean by that is focus on themselves, their communities, their families. Uh, to, to take care of their own problems and stop being passive and looking to the government, particularly the federal government, to take care of you and solve your problems. That's not going to happen. Empower yourself and take care of your own problems. Here, here. And I would recommend also feed your brain good information, such as you would find at my friend Eric Peters' website, ericpetersautos.com. Great chance to... Uh, Thank you for that, Brian. Oh, and I mean every word of it, Eric. You've kept me sane for yep. quite a few years, and I, I especially appreciate that you would join me here on this program on a weekly basis to uh, you know dispense more sanity for those who are seeking it. Well, I'm happy to do it. It's really important that none of us feel as though we're the only non-sane, the only sane person in the whole country, right? Absolutely. And and it may sound like, uh, well, gee, it sounds like you're just trying to find strength in numbers, but it is comforting to find out, hey, I'm not alone. And I'm absolutely. Certain- and there's there's nothing shameful about that. Uh, you know, to, to feel as though other people understand and get it. Uh, you know, the left has been extraordinarily successful in creating this kind of monolithic front whereby everybody seems to think, well, that's, I guess, what I'm supposed to believe because that's all I hear on TV and that's all I read in the paper, right? Yep. This is part of building that indomitable spirit. Eric, I'm probably taking next week off, so Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to you and yours. Yeah, likewise, and everybody listening as well. And let's hope that this coming year is going to be a great year for us all. This is The Brian Hyde Show.